Welcome to the Double I Show Fantasy Island Fantasy Football Edition coming at you with another one. This week we're going to be getting into our he did what and who the fuck. Today it's going to be only Bombo and I. Bombo, I've been trying to talk to the correctional institution where King is currently held up and they said maybe with good behavior they'll let him join us on the next time we record and so hopefully we'll have him back for the next one. <laughs> Sounds good. Shout out to King. Shout out to King in the uh, Men's Correctional Institution. In the Huskow. All right. So uh, this week's He Did What? Bombo, why don't you go ahead and give us one of your guys on He Did What? All right. He Did What? And it looks like as of week 14, possibly the resurgence of the Broncos offense. So we had Jerry Judy, who went for eight catches, 73 yards, and three touchdowns. And who was throwing to him? None other than Russell Wilson, who threw for 247, three touchdowns, added 57 rushing yards. They did what they were supposed to do against a team that they were supposed to beat. Puts them on this list is where have these guys been at for the last 14 weeks? The bad news is, and we'll get into it when we speak about our injuries and how it affects your fantasy teams. Russell Wilson did go down in that game. Jerry Judy is the last man standing in that passing offense, and he was pretty much their entire offense. There is no type of running game in Denver. I mean, they dug up the zombie of Latavius Murray. Mike Boone, I think, just went back on the IR. There was a Marlon Max sighting, and he was able to do a little something. But other than that, it was very predictable offense from them. And it, it literally came down to Russell Wilson really just making plays and Jerry Judy making plays. They took advantage of a great match against the Panthers. They're hurting on defense. They're, you know, they have a pass rush and they can stop the run a little bit, but other than that, they can be torched and Broncos torched them. Do we expect to see this happen every week? Do we expect to see them do this in their division against tougher defenses or in shootouts? Absolutely not. I would say T at this point, there's probably not too many guys that are rostering Russell Wilson, let alone starting him. But if you did and you somehow you're alive because you have a monster lineup and you've been able to get by with Russell Wilson in your lineup, then he probably catapulted you further into the playoffs or into a better seed. And Jerry Judy's been in and out of everybody's lineups all year. I know that we had real high expectations for him when we were talking about him in the divisional round. And just from a fantasy and a real football standpoint, Jerry Judy's a great route runner. He's fast and he can take the top off of defense and catch those things, catch passes through over the middle and make big plays. So this is, you know, it's weird that we even have these guys, you know, we never really talk about these guys as far as fantasy performances. So it's a good thing that we have them on there this week, but this is just one week. I'll be honest. This is one week that they, these guys were able to do something. So enjoy it while it lasts. Broncos fans, at least you guys got to see like four or five primetime games at the beginning of the year. But right now I think they're waving the white flag, but at least they're waving that white flag with a huge week 14 performance. Yeah, you know what, Bombo? I'm going to say one thing. Wilson could have also been on the who the fuck list this week because he's been just MIA all season. But, you know, when we were talking about it and breaking it down before the show and everything, we were building this list. You know, one of the things that we that we called out was whether or not Wilson deserved to be on the he did what or who the fuck. Now, he really deserved to be on the who the fuck. However, the fact that we put him on the he did what is because it's Russell Wilson. The guy deserves a lot more respect than what he's been getting all season, you know, just because of what he's done. So we just decided to throw him on the he did what. But I mean, it could have gone either way and put it on either list, to be honest with you. And for Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy has been hurt 
for the last two seasons, just, I mean, last year he missed pretty much all season. Cortland Sutland was kind of by himself. And then this year he's been in and out, in and out all the time because of injury. So, you know, it's nice to see him do something, you know, three tutties is huge, but the fact that, you know, he, he hasn't done anything all season long prior to this really, it's kind of sad because the guy had so much high actions and so much hope. And he's rostered on a lot of guys, fantasy teams expecting for him to do well and to be this type of guy. And so, yeah, it's just, it's nice to see them on here. But like you said, I mean, this is just one week and you know, that's all we're going to see from him probably. So, all right, I'm going to go ahead and go into my two and I got to eat crow a little bit. Last week, Bombo, if you recall, I did throw on my list as a must sit, sit your ass on the bench, Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know if he heard it and that's what kind of prompted him to just blow up. But Damn, dude, he blew up this week. 368 yards passing and three tutties. And I think they dialed him back. I think you start seeing towards the towards the end of the game. I mean, they were just they were trying to run the ball a little bit. They were trying to do other things. They they were dialing him back. They weren't really letting him cook and, and go loose. I mean, they had the game kind of in hand at that point anyway. But I mean, that was impressive. That was very impressive. So I got to give my hat off to Trevor Lawrence. And then my second guy is a guy who I'm really high on because I have a lot of stock in this guy on all my fantasy teams is Justin Jefferson. 11 catches for 223 yards. I mean, what can you say about this guy? Without a doubt, the second best receiver in the entire league. And I only say that because I think Devontae Adams is the number one receiver in the league as far as just skill. But Justin Jefferson's right up there with him. And my only beef and gripe about Justin Jefferson, he's getting his, he's getting those fantasy points for everybody, but come on. I mean, it's painful to see what Soto's doing to him because I think to me, this what Atlanta did with Julio. Julio would get his yards. Julio would be that beast to get them down the field. But when it came to the red zone, Julio got no looks for the red zone. And Justin Jefferson very rarely gets those looks in the, in the end zone. And he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. And that is sad because you march down the field on his back and then you don't even give him the opportunity to score for you. That's the only gripe that I have. And it's not his fault, but it's that offense and his quarterback, you know. So, yeah, I love what he did this week. So this week's he did what for me is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Jefferson. You hit it right on the head when it came to Justin Jefferson in that Julio Jones comparison. I think we've talked about this before. There's a lot of coaches that, you know, the youth movement in coaching where what we really see is a lot of over overcomplicating of offenses. And what I see with Minnesota is they'll use Justin Jefferson all the way up into the point where they're in those go to goal situations or they're in the red zone. And then they try to get cute. They try to use him as a decoy and free up Thielen. And they really in the red zone, they're really trying to get Hawkinson the ball. And he just got there. Like the fact that they even traded for him means that they wanted to get him involved in the red zone. They wanted to get that big body See, to make it easier for Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins can't thread the needle the way that he needs to thread it when Justin Jefferson has three guys draped on him in the end zone. But you know what? You throw that ball. You throw that ball and you have faith in your guy. After that catch in Buffalo, I don't think there's a, there's anything out there that he can't catch. You take that risk. And I don't see Kirk yep. Cousins doing that. I He has a lot of trust in Thielen and you should. He, Thielen has... And it's made of bubble gum too. He's he's real good. He's a real good route runner. But age is catching up to him. I mean, I'm not saying he's an old man. He, you're not an old fart like us, but 
you know, in NFL wide receiver years, he's getting up there because before Justin Jefferson got there and when it was him and Diggs, Thielen was an every snap guy and he was getting targeted like a monster. He, I, I like to tell people who have a short memory, he was kind of Cooper Cup before Cooper Cup was Cooper Cup. When it came down to how he was, you know, he would ran, he ran every route crisp. He was catching everything thrown his way touchdowns, long, long passes, huge plays, and he could block. But right now what we're seeing, I mean, the Vikings are the number two team in the NFC, and they're just coming off of being a five-point underdog to the Detroit Lions, and they lost, and they lost by more than that five. So, you know, Vegas is right, and I think they're right because, honestly, that team is very predictable, right? They're going to live by Justin Jefferson, big plays, get in the end zone, try to run it in a little bit, and they're just not, I know we talked to that before from the amount of weapons they have. I expect big fantasy games out of at least three guys on that team, but it seems like it's always who take your pick. Who's going to be is it, it'll be Dalvin cook one day and then wait a couple of weeks and it'll be kind of Kurt cousins, Justin Jefferson. But you know, you and I both have stock in Justin Jefferson and I'm waiting for, you know, the catches the yards and the touchdowns to all be one game because so far it's you it's what it's one or the other we need to have we need to see the consistency and see if he was getting the touchdowns and if he was getting red zone usage that he deserves you'd be talking about Justin Jefferson going in the top 5 in draft but as of right now where he's at is probably a little bit high cuz Justin Jefferson is probably in the back half of the first round depending on what how much you value receivers. But if he starts catching touchdowns, that, I mean, that's a top three guy. Wherever Cooper Cup was going, that's where Jeff, Justin Jefferson will go next year. And as for oh, the, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. And as for the Broncos, I just want to get your take on something. You feel like it's the king holding them back and you can trust this offense for fantasy as soon as there's maybe a coaching change or some sort of offseason mix-up. I say that because I'm, I'm going to say what we've been seeing out of the Denver Broncos and the fact that every game they put on TV has been a stinker. Like, so let's, let's face it. There's guys like us who have red zone, who know, who are watching plays in meaningless games, scouting players all the time for the show, of course, and for our own personal gain and for teams and just to shoot the shit about football. But then there's the guys that literally are just watching whatever the TV puts in front of them, whatever game is on. And they're going to forget about Judy and they're going to forget about Sutton and they're going to forget about Russell Wilson. I, I think these guys are going to take big dips in drafts next year. And right now is the time to start looking at guys, you know, these guys are some guys that, that are what people may think are rolling the dice picks, but these are good guys. Like, honestly, I'd still take Jerry Judy, you know, as my wide receiver too right now, if we redraft it. But you know, I'd probably put if, him in as a flex for me personally, but I get what you, I get what you're saying though. An offensive overhaul in the coaching staff and just maybe the overall philosophy. I think these guys will be back to being fantasy relevant. Honestly, and I know King will probably co-sign this. Javante Williams not being there really fucked up a lot for this offense because when they had to turn it over to Melvin Gordon, he didn't. There was we, I know we were talking about it all offseason. Like, why is Melvin Gordon still involved in this offense? Why is why are they not giving Javante Williams, you know, the 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 horse carries? Like, how come he's not that workhorse? And I don't think Melvin Gordon was ready for it. Obviously, he wasn't. This guy is now, you know, on the Kansas City's practice squad. And they just didn't have a backup plan to to fall back on once that running game was gone. So it really falls on the coaching. So once they get the coaching right and once they get back a healthy backfield, and I don't know if it's going to be next year because Javante Williams' injury is pretty big, but they should be trying to explore bringing somebody in just so they can maybe give that offense some more well-rounded, just a more rounded, well-rounded offense. 
And then these guys can be back to fantasy relevance. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? I think they need to get rid of the coach. First and foremost, Hackett just is not hacking it at all. The fact that they had to bring in somebody as a consultant to be able to manage the clock for him and to do other things. And then he had to already, this is his first year as a head coach, guys, and he's already had to hand over the reins of the play calling to somebody else. You know, these are just kind of telltale signs that he was not ready for this type of position. And there's maybe a good reason why. You know, when you talk to people within the organization or you hear the scuttlebutt, you know, a lot of people were saying he wasn't ready for this job and he hasn't been. And that's why he never got a job as a head coach prior to this. So I get it. And I really don't think that it's a rust thing. I I think that maybe part of it is the transition from, you know, he was in Seattle for so long trying to make the adjustments and, you know, playing in the mile high for, you know, eight games or something like that. It, it, It just... It's different, you know, and so it's going to take at least a year to adapt to it. I think what we saw this week out of him before he went down, I hated to see that happen to him. But before he went down, I really enjoyed seeing him just start to really be the old Russ. I mean, he just looked good. You know, 57 yards rushing all season long. He has not really used his feet at all. And this last week he was using his feet. So I love to see that. and. I think the 247 yards passing, that's good to see from him. I, you know, I expect more. I expect at least 300 yard games for him. But, you, you know, I mean, still, that's a really good game. And three tutties, that's huge. So I love to see that, but I hated to see him go down. I don't think he's washed up. I don't think it was the worst trade in NFL history. Like a lot of guys are trying to use for clickbait on YouTube and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Not even like get the F out of here. Right. That's not even yeah. close. It's nice to see him start to get more comfortable. And I think it's going to be better if he had a better leadership, meaning staff, to be honest with you. Yeah, we said it at the beginning of the year. The the biggest thing that the most pressure that was put on Russell Wilson was seeing the success of Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford back to back seasons prior to him getting to Denver, where they immediately had a change of scenery and went on to win Super Bowls. So everybody was, I mean, the story was writing itself, right? Like, hey, he's going to, a change of scenery, a good defense, they have weapons, all they're going to do is bring in Russ and then they're going to win a Super Bowl. But the reality is in real football, these things take time. And you're right, it does fall on, to, on the coach. And I mean, me personally, I don't think he ever really recovered from that uh, trying a 65 yard field goal on fourth and two in the second game of the year. Right. That, that's just on the first game of the year. That's just me. Yeah, no, I hear you. But, you know, for you mentioned Stafford and you mentioned Brady. And what is the two things that both of those guys had in common the year that they won the Super Bowl? They both had excellent coaching staffs. They both had just you think of Bruce Arians. Yeah, but whatever you think, the guy is, is you know, yeah, he's kind of surly. He's kind of hard to be with. But you know what? The guy is a winner. And he proven that, you know, in, throughout his entire career. So then you plug in the GOAT into that situation who came from another surly head coach. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you had talent around him, a, a exceptional talent. So, you know, that's different. And then when you go to the Rams... Great coaching. McVay is just an offensive genius, and we know that. And then the talent that he had around him to begin with to plug Stafford in, and they didn't ask Stafford to be something that he's not. So it was a different situation. And, 
you know, the, the common denominator is they both had excellent coaching. So that's why I think if you get him a really good coaching, solid coach, proven coaching, right? So if you were to try to, to plug, you know, somebody else in there that is a proven head coach, I think that it's a different situation. And I think we're talking about Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos differently, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and transition us guys into the who the fuck and this week. There's only two really on this list, but wow, what two are on this list? Bombo, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and go first, but damn, these guys, some good ones on this list. So uh, who the fuck started Jarek McKinnon in their week 14 matchup? With the playoffs on the line. We've been talking about Isaiah Pacheco on the Kansas City Chiefs as a major part of this offense. He's been trending up. And honestly, he's been doing his thing. He is touchdown dependent and because they get creative around the, the red zone. I think there's a lot more games that are going to favor a game script for Pacheco going forward. But because you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, a running back catching passes out of the backfield when something breaks up will always be a thing. And Jarek McKinnon earned his money in week 14. He was that safety valve. And on one of on his big play, that literally was, we talk about it all year, Mahomes just trying to not take a sack and trying not to turn the ball over and just flipped it over to the open guy. And McKinnon still has top end speed, but he just did his thing. And we saw CEH eating all at the beginning of the year, just off of those type of plays. So it's not really... Go out on the waiver wire and make sure you get McKinnon and start him. It's, hey, there's always going to be that guy in Kansas City that is going to take advantage of the fact that there's 11 heads pointed at Patrick Mahomes. And you got to keep your head on a swivel because there's weapons all over the field. They may not be household names, but they're guys that Andy Reid trusts. They're guys that Mahomes trusts. And all of them have big playability. And Jarek McKinnon showed big playability. Seven catches, 112 yards, and two touchdowns as the third down back. He was, I mean, it's not even like he was cutting into Pacheco's workload because Pacheco had 98 total yards and like 17 carries. And it's it's almost impossible for a Kansas City running back to have 17 carries, close to 20 carries. And he caught three pass, passes. It just literally was, they took advantage of big plays, gaps in that zone, and Jarek McKinnon had himself a day. What's crazy about this Kansas City offense is we could have another Kansas City player on this same segment next week and we'll all be like, who the fuck? And and it wouldn't surprise any of us. After a while, we're going to have to stop putting Kansas City guys on this list. But as of this week, Jarek McKinnon, who the fuck started Jarek McKinnon? Yeah, no doubt, Bombo. Actually, to be honest with you, I mean, Mahomes is being Mahomes. The, the fact that when you call out that play, that that was sick, right? That's another one of those, you know, just Madden type of plays. It's one of those, you know, where he did it something similar in the end zone last time, a couple of weeks back. I think it was like week three or week four. And we were talking about that one as, as well. And this is just another one of those types of plays. And we see him do it in practice. And it's, yeah, it's different when it's in practice and it's different people. But, you know, he does it in game situations, in live game situations as well. And that's what's so sick about this whole thing. And, you know, McKinnon, I mean, yeah, he's on this list, but you're right. It could be any of the Kansas City players on this list in week to week. But I will say this and, you know, tell me what you think. But I really think that Kansas City this season is far more balanced of a team, especially fantasy wise, much more balanced. It may kind of suck for fantasy owners because you don't know which guy's going to go off from week to week on that team other than Mahomes. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Kelsey but, you know, the past several weeks, he hasn't really done much. 
but I would say that it's a much more balanced team. What do you think? I think Kansas City knows that they have a finite window for this championship run that they want to do. They've been to two so far in this Mahomes, Andy Reid era. And, you know, the fact that they, you brought, you hit it right on the nose, T. Like, they practice these type of broken plays. If you ever seen footage, you know, like I said, guys like us who are watching NFL training camp footage in, you know, July, they're letting Mahomes in practice throw it behind his back. Like in plays, they practice that. They're letting like I've been waiting flips. for that all season. I've been waiting yeah, to see that in yeah, the live game because it, it's in the bag. He's got it in the bag, and 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 the perfect thing is Mahomes can go out there and throw six interceptions, fumble twice. He's not getting benched. It's not happening. He's got he's got that lease with the option to buy. He's got the full trust of the organization, the coaching staff, and the fan base. So no matter what. He, there's there's guys that can take that kind of pressure and he's one of them. He's 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 special. It almost makes me, you know, my ass hurts for earlier in the year thinking that this guy was going to fall off just because there was no Tyreek Hill. Hey, but I like we always say there's guys that get paid way more money than us that were had that same take that they that thought these guys were dead in the water because they lost that. But honestly, as Mahomes is the engine, and just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea if they're not, you know, savants or they're not really real big player and stat guys. Jarek McKinnon was Adrian Peterson's backup in Minnesota. Jarek McKinnon was the first running back that the San Francisco coaching staff, when Shanahan got there, they gave a big contract to, and he blew out his ACL in preseason. So this guy's been around. Like this guy, this isn't a, hey, where'd this Jarek McKinnon come from? Jarek McKinnon is a 30-year-old running back that has been around and has, and it's good to see him. I mean, even though he's on the who the fuck list, it's good to see him get those carries, get those touchdowns because this dude has put in his dues and he's never really got a fair shot to be a starter. And maybe he was never going to be a starter, but he always stayed with the job. So shout out to Jarek McKinnon on that one. Nah, that's a good call. That's a fun little stat for you right there. All right, Bumble, I'm going to go ahead and go into mine because I'm going to see your Jarek McKinnon and I'm going to raise you Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram did nothing this week. Absolutely nothing except for the fact that, oh, I don't know. He actually had the most PPR fantasy points of anybody this week. What the fuck? 11 catches, 162 yards, and two tutties. Week 14 made up 30% of his total fantasy points for the entire season to date. What the fuck? This guy had a career day this week. I mean, just hats off to him and the way that they were using him. It was just, everything was just going to him. That's it. They were just living and dying by feeding him the ball all game. It was sick, but it was nice to see. But you know what that's going to do now? That's going to skew guys for next season. They're going to see the stats just for the year. They're not going to break it down game by game. They're not going to understand that it's only that and that that's all that it's, you know, it was one game that that kind of did it for him for the entire season. So Evan Ingram, one hell of a week. Yeah, to you mentioned it, people are going to see this game, especially guys that probably started him. And let's be honest, there are some guys that started Evan Ingram out of necessity. We talk about it every week. I know I blast it out there every week. The tight end position is a wasteland. There's, there's, it's such a, 
it's such a crapshoot when it comes to the tight end position. I mean, I'm I'm also in favor of in any league I'm in, if it starts getting thrown out there that tight end can get replaced by another flex, I'm always down to vote for that just because but at the same time, you know, we're we're hardcore fantasy hypes, so we, we like to stick with tradition, but uh, junkies. Yeah. There's gonna be someone next year that's gonna draft him way early. It's gonna be a top five tight end type pick, and he may disappoint. And the only thing it could really remind me of is Evan Ingram like three years ago where he had some of these games like this. And I know that we talked about McKinnon and his past and where you saw him from. This is Evan Ingram that was catching passes from Eli Manning that was on the same team as Odell Beckham and had one of the most, you know, like memorable breakout rookie seasons, taking advantage of mismatches for the Giants and then just fell off. Some people said it was injuries, but there was talk that he just wasn't giving it his all in practice. He was like the, you know, the prequel to Kenny Galladay as far as not giving 100% and just not catching anything. But change of scenery does a lot. And you know what? We said it in the previous show. I'm in on this Jags team. Maybe not for actual football wins, but for fantasy purposes and the culture that they're building. I'm in on them. I'm in on their future. You're going to add Calvin Ridley to that mix. Right now you have Doug Peterson has everyone buying in. He's got Trevor Lawrence, you know, balling out of control in spot starts. And you know what it comes down to is they don't over, like we talked, I talked about it earlier. Peterson's not one of these coaches that's going to overcomplicate things, right? They were playing the fourth best rush defense in the league. So, you know, they gave Etienne a couple runs. They give Agnew a couple runs, but they're like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to beat this team in the air. They didn't try to go away from that. They didn't try to get cute on offense. They literally were taking advantage of the mismatch, using their quarterback to thread the needle, put the ball where only his receivers can catch it, that receiver being Evan Ingram and Zay Jones. So, you know, as much as, you know, this renaissance of these King Savants and these young guys are killing it, you know, as far as stats wise and using analytics and all that, sometimes these old ball coaches just know how to get it done. And Doug Peterson is getting it done. It may not turn into a playoff team. They're not They're not winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. But I'll put it like this. As a Raider fan, if I was seeing the Raiders do what the Jags are doing right now, I'd be hyped up for my future. So shout out to the Jags and what they're doing. Like I said earlier, it's all about co- coaching makes a difference, right? But I mean, if you look at a guy like an Evan Ingram, let's just put this in a perspective. The last three games... Go back to number 27th against the Ravens. He had one catch for four yards. Then fast forward to the next week against the Lions. That's December 4th. Five catches for 30. Who in the world would have saw that this past week 14, he would have 11 catches for 162 yards? That's just sick. And two tutties. Like, seriously. And the funny thing, Bombo, is he's only got four tutties on the whole season. So in one game, that's half of his Mm -hmm. tutties in a season. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's just crazy. And that is exactly why he made the who the fuck list. All right. So I got one other thing that I wanted to kind of throw out there, Bombo. And this is a little shout out section, a little bonus section of this week's he did what, who the fuck. All right. So this is going to be a shout out to Brock Purdy, 185 yards in the air, two tutties, and he beat the goat in his first NFL start. Just throwing it out there. I mean, yeah, he didn't light up the world or anything, but he doesn't have to. He did exactly what they wanted him to do. He did much more than I expected him to do. So big shout out to Purdy. Next shout out, Sam Darnold. Look, 
I know with Sam Darnold, okay, guys, we get it. And I know that Kings, he hates the fact that I kind of give Sam Darnold a little bit of love, but let's face it. The team plays different with him in the lineup. They had Baker Mayfield. They, they've had, you know, different guys. But when Darnold is behind center, they play differently. So this team has been able to respond. And this is the second straight start and the second straight. And he they didn't beat a little shitty team. They beat the Seahawks. That's a good team. So I really got to give him a little bit of a shout out. And the last guy, J.K. Dobbins, coming back. First match since I think it was week six or week eight. Correct me, Bombo, but I think it was week six, right? First start, mm-hmm. 120 yards rushing and a tutty in his first game back. Bravo, man. Those are just some like little shout outs, little runner ups to, to the he did what type of thing. But tell me what you think of any of those guys on there. Hats off to those guys for, if anything, the tenacity, right? J.K. Dobbins going out there and and running like he just didn't come off of IR. He's coming off of a reconstructed knee, came back earlier in the season, had a great game too. I want to say a two touchdown, 80 total yard game and a win. Very next game, you know, I I had stock in J.K. Dobbins, started him the, the game after that thinking he was back and the Ravens did right by him and held him out and told him he said something didn't feel right. They they put him out there in a couple of practices. It didn't feel right. They put him back on IR, came back off IR. And started clicking right when they needed him to with Lamar being. So yeah, J.K. Dobbins, I don't think that we'll we'll ever see a Ravens bell cow back, no matter how much they possibly could do it. Because I think Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, if they were somewhere like Seattle or somewhere that's down to give one running back a ton of carries, they they would be beasts, right? But that's not how it is. They've all bought into this running back by committee and they do it, you know, probably better than, you know, most teams in the league that do that. So he knows his role. He produces. He can catch the ball. And I've been on the J.K. Dobbins train since Ohio State. The guy's the guy's a monster to me. And I think he's only gonna, as he gets healthier, you'll start to see him go up and get drafted. You know, higher in drafts, especially if he gets through this season and gets through maybe a, a small playoff run, getting carries and getting some shine. And Sam Darnold, I'm right there with. We can talk. He can be the butt of jokes and memes, and it's the it's the Panthers and this. But I'll tell you something like this. If the Jets would have stuck with Sam Darnold and he would have had that defense and those offensive weapons around him in New York, we wouldn't even know who Zach Wilson is. There wouldn't be a quarterback controversy on the Jets. Mike White would still be on the Cowboys because I think Sam Darnold could have got it done if the Jets just had a little bit more patience. But I mean, we know it's the New York media. It's the Jets. It was they were already in his head. He had the seeing ghost comment in one game and everybody buried him for that. So he had to get out of there. I just hope that somebody gives him a chance. I'm probably not going to be Carolina, but I hope somebody gives him a chance and he's able to develop and not be one of these guys that just has to be there while a coaching change happens and he has to learn a new offense and all this. And worst case scenario, maybe he becomes a Fitzpatrick, right? A quality backup that has a playoff run in him, will win you some really big games. I I don't see Sam Darnold as a guy that's going to be working at Dick Sporting Goods in a couple of years. I think he's going to be in the NFL for a little bit. Just good to see him start. And this brings us to Brock Purdy. I'm going to throw the coconuts out there. Let me know what you think, T. Brock Purdy can take the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Literally. If he plays the way that's, he did. That's some does coconuts not turn, there. If he does not turn the ball over, if they play defense the way they play defense, and everybody's healthy. Keep in mind, everyone's healthy. 
I think they can go to the Super Bowl. And it's not because Brock Purdy's a world beater and because he beat the GOAT. It's because somehow under everyone's nose, I know that there was a bidding war with the Rams, but this loaded team acquired Christian McCaffrey and they're giving him run. Like they're not. So there's a difference between how the 49ers are doing it and how the Panthers are doing it. The Panthers thought they can get the most out of Christian McCaffrey by giving him 30 touches a game. 49ers are like, no, we're just going to give him 15 quality touches in some real good play calling with some real excellent blocking because, you know, our offense is predicated around, you don't know who's going to get the ball on this one. We give you so many different looks and it's perfect of what he needed to the point of it really is like, which if you need, all you really need is a competent quarterback. So which one do you want to have? When everyone was talking about is, you know, is Baker Mayfield? Are they going to be, you know, now that Jimmy G's down, what are they going to do? Honestly, there was no doubt in my mind that the Niners were going to go with whoever they got in that quarterback room because no matter what, everyone's bought in on this offense. So the fact that Purdy is bought in on this offense and you can, and you see it, we talk about it with Mike, with White Mike, the offense was rallying around Purdy, you know what I mean? And, and you love, love to see that. And plus, you know what, shout out to him because you love to see after the game, went out in the crowd, found his found his mom and dad and went over there and shared that moment of beating Brady with them. And those are the types of things that really humanize players that people can really rally around. And honestly, he made me a believer after that. So, you know, I'm not the biggest 49er guy, but I, I know what I'm seeing. I know what I'm seeing from a football standpoint. And I just think he has the potential to lead them to the Super Bowl. I didn't say win the Super Bowl. I said lead them to a Super Bowl. But as far as fantasy purposes, Unless you're like in a super flex, two quarterback type league. I don't think Brock Purdy is someone you need to pull off of the waiver wire immediately and start just because they're they're not putting him in situations where he has to air it out. But yeah, Brock Purdy's that right, right now. Brock Purdy is that dude for them. Yeah, that's putting your coconuts out there, Bombo. <laughs> but I will say this. It, he is, like I said last week, he's Jimmy G light. So if Jimmy G had them them being the 49ers really close to winning a Super Bowl, pretty much one play, you know, Purdy is not that far off. So it wouldn't be that far off to say that they could potentially go to a Super Bowl with this guy, you know, during the matchup and the way that Shanahan is such a just an amazing OC type of guy that draws up plays that really highlights and puts his quarterbacks and that whole entire offense in good situations. So, yeah. That's a, that's a great call out and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We got several more weeks and we'll see what happens. But real quick, T, just, just when I, when, when I say that it's, it's more faith than what I've seen and what we've, we've all seen these past couple of years. I'll throw out some teams right now. If, you know, we're, we're talking about a playoff matchup and it's the 49ers, you know, whatever seed they are against the second seed Vikings at the Vikings. I got the 49ers in that game. You know what I mean? No, I'm with I, you. I'm with yeah. you. If they have to go to Tampa or something like that, I got the, I got them beating Tampa. I, I'll oh, even yeah. go as I'll even go as far as say it's it's not a lock that they go to Dallas and lose to Dallas. I mean, they did it last year. They did it last year with a team that probably wasn't as good as this team right now. So I think it really it Brock Purdy is a main cog in it, but I just think that this team knows how to win on the road and they just know how to win in the playoffs. For sure. That's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this segment of the week. This is the week 14 recap of He Did What and Who the Fuck. For Bombo, I'm Sweet T, and we are out.
Yeah.